the world's most dangerous man presents the world's most dangerous podcast. No gloves, no rules, only God-given talent. Now, here's your host, Hall of Famer, Ken Shamrock. Welcome to Ken Shamrock's talk show. On this podcast, we get dangerous. But on the show, we also talk about combat, sports, social needs, and world current events. I am your host, Ken Shamrock, a.k.a. the world's most dangerous man. And today's topic will be, oh, I love this one, early UFC days. That's right. Ooh, back in the day when it was a brawl. The fact is, nobody really knew what they were doing. But hey, before we get to that, if you have any questions or any topic suggestions you want me to talk about in future episodes, please go to KenShamrock.com forward slash questions, and I will get to those. Well, hey, let's jump right in. What was it? Uh, November 11th, 1993 was the very first UFC in McNoll's Arena in Denver, Colorado. It was a while back. Um, Here's the thing. I was fighting over in Japan. I was a champion over there. I had a friend come to me and go, hey, check this out, man. This, this thing is no holes board. And I was like, what? I said, that's pro wrestling. I mean, seriously, though, you think about it, back in 93, 90, 93, no holes board was like Hulk Hogan, you know? I mean, like this pro wrestling old board ladders and all these other things they would put in there. And that's what you thought. So when they said that, I was like, no, man, that's like that's pro wrestling. Man. And he's like, no, seriously, it's like anything goes. So he started to kind of break it down to me. Like, you know, you can kick them on the ground. You can do that. Do that. I was like, oh, man, that ain't real. And he's like, no, seriously, it is. And so I said, all right. So I pick up the phone and I call the number on there. And Art Davies picks up. And I said, hey, I'm, you know, Ken Shamrock. I'm uh, interested in seeing what you guys got going here. Is this for real? I mean, seriously, was it can tell? And so he started to break down, like, the idea that they come up with was like, hey, what is the best martial arts fighter? And what is it? Is it a boxer? Is it a wrestler? And he says, we want to find that out. And I was like, so how do you set the rules? And I was like, well, there are none. And I was like, come on, man, really? He says, no, there's no rules. There's no time limit. You just go in and somebody's going to win. He says, whoever walks out wins. And I was like, shut up. He's like, no, seriously. And I was like, well, I mean, if that's for real, I mean, I'd like to do it. And he goes, well, what's your credentials? And I said, well, I'm, I fight over in Japan. I'm the uh, champion over there. I'm fighting over there called Pancreas. And I said, it seems like it's kind of the same thing that you guys are talking about, but all our fighters are basically skilled in ground technique and striking. And um, he said, um, um, okay, well, he, like he hadn't heard of it, right? So he says, let me call you back. And so he calls her back. And he says, okay, you're exactly what we're looking for. I mean, literally, he calls, he finds out what this is, and he goes, you're what we're looking for. Now, I didn't know this at the time, like it, Gracie and 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 their his brother and everybody were setting this up like this was their their bubble, and Art Davies was trying to make it fair. Like he wanted other other fighters in there because what the Gracies were doing was they were going out and getting strikers, and boxers, and kickboxers, but they weren't reaching for wrestlers or or people that had an extensive background in grappling, whether it was judo or jiu jitsu or anything like that, and so. When Art Davies it saw my credentials, because nobody was really applying, right? It was just basically washed up strikers. And so when he saw what I had brought to the table, he was like, yeah, you're in. 
And so I said, okay. And I said, you know, so as long as it stays real. But in the whole time, I'm like, man, this is how are they, there's no way they can pull this off. I mean, like, how do you pull off kicking a guy in the head on the ground or, or you're punching him on the ground? I mean, remember, this is back in the day where you didn't do that. And you only saw it on street fights, right? I mean, in the middle of the street, you saw something like that. So I was like, I'm not sure how they do this, but we were as close to what you would call edgy, right? Because we were kicking, open hand striking, and taking him to the ground, and we were submitting. So to me, when I saw that, I was like, now that's it. But now there was this other thing that Art was talking about, Davis was talking about, and I was like, oh, and I couldn't picture it. And so um, I remember going to Japan, and remember I was a champion already, had captured the belt, and I defended my title three days before going to um, um, McNoll's Arena in Denver in, uh, in November 11th. So before that, I think it was November 8th or something, I defended my title against Fouquet, the guy I tried out with, the young boy. I was telling you about that. He became a professional fighter. I actually defended my title against him before I went there, and I ended up knocking him out with a knee. And he goes after I, of course, beat him. Then um, he's one of my cornermen. Like he's because we became friends, and like Suzuki, Fanaki, Fouquet, myself, we became friends. So when we were going over to do this fight, I made him one of my cornermen along with with uh, Fanaki. And then we had a doctor from Japan that was coming with me. And the whole time we were going there, I remember watching videos of it. It didn't look real. It just didn't look right to me. It was like, how do they do that? It's like it doesn't. It looks you know, it doesn't look real. And so as we're traveling, going over there, and, and I trained for it, I did, I understood it a little bit, but didn't know the gi at all. I just felt like, why are you wearing a gi? So we get there, and they have this, well, well, this is the crazy part, a rules meeting, <laughs> which is probably the first thing we should have said, hey, there is no rules. Well, why are we having a rules meeting? Um, but anyways, uh, so they had the press there, and um we start talking and they start having this bag that she hit and, and all these little things going on. And there wasn't much press. There was probably maybe 10. Uh, and uh, so they were just talking to different people. And I remember um, Horian comes in and he says, okay, I'm having your attention. And we were all sitting up at the table. And I remember looking down going, my goodness, this is a weak group of people. The only one I saw there was Gerard Goudeau and, and Patrick Smith. Um, and Jane Frazier, those were the three guys I saw that looked legit, right? I mean, it looked like they something. Um, and I saw Hoyce, and I just saw, who is that guy? Man, he's going to get killed. And uh, so we have this thing, and he's first thing he does, he goes, uh, Horian goes, okay. Um, he talks to Frazier, he says, you can't wear your, your kick pads. And Zane just comes in, well, why not? It was like, this is supposed to be an over, which he had a point. Well, there's no rules. And then so you couldn't tape your hands and you could wear a shin guard, but you can't wear your shin guards, but you could wear one boxing glove and one hand with no boxing glove. <laughs> he didn't know he was going to a bare knuckle fight or a boxing match, so he was confused himself already. Um, but... Uh, it was weird because they started taking these little things away and you're thinking to yourself, well, it's supposed to be no rules. I don't understand how that even affects anybody. When they got to me and said, you can't wear your wrestling shoes. And I was like, well, and, and me, in my mind, I'm like, well, whatever, I'm still going to win. And I've never been on a wrestling mat or ever been in a ring or competed because I wrestled for two years and then I was pro wrestling and then I was doing 
Pancras stuff. And I had always wore wrestling shoes. And so I never thought that it would be a big deal. I was like, whatever. So I didn't say, I was like, whatever, it's not going to matter. And so um, I remember the, the night of the event. This is, this, this is awesome, right? I, I wish people could experience this because this, this was just, oh, it was so real. Very first fight of the night. It's Gerard Godot and the sumo guy. And I forget the guy's name. I know you guys probably know it, but big dude. And we're all going, oh, and I know Gerard, right? So I'm not too worried about him. But the person, the average fan is like, oh, he's going to get graded into the fence. <laughs> he's going to smash him into the fence. going to hurt the poor skinny guy. And I was thinking, well, he ain't going to, if he does catch him, he's going to hit him with elbows and knees. And But it's interesting, right? You're thinking, okay, well, it's still interesting. Big sumo guy against this, this, this world-class, you know, kickboxer. And so the match starts, and you see George slide real over really fast. The sumo guy comes out and starts barreling towards him, and you're like, ooh, what's going to happen? And George throws steps to the side, so gets the sumo guy to stop for a minute and turn his momentum so he's not just running into him and hitting him. He literally steps to the side, so he has to stop for a moment. Well, when he stops for a moment, he throws a hand, boom, right over the top of the shoulder, hits him in the face, knocks him to the ground, and I kid you not, walks up and kicks a field goal. I mean, it would have been a 50-yard field goal. It would have been good. He kicked him so hard that you could hear the pop in the locker room. Now, when that happens, sumo guy's out, flat. <laughs> but it goes silent. I kid you not, for two, three seconds. But it's, it, it's, it felt like forever. Because you just saw something like you could not believe that it just happened. Like he just kicked him when he was down. And nobody said or did anything. They were just all, oh, and it just went quiet. And then the first thing that comes out was um, Bill, Superfoot Bill Wallace. He kicked him in the face. His teeth came flying in the front. Well, that was the first thing that was said. And then the crowd popped. And then the locker room, like people were like, I mean, I kid you not, it, it, it was, it's sad because <laughs> we're supposed to be fighters. But some of them were going, I didn't sign up for this. No, we did. <laughs> but none of us knew it looked like that. It, it was exciting. But some of them were, like myself, I was like, it's, this is real. And my, my level of excitement went through the roof. And then some of them, and I don't want to mention any names, they were like, I, I don't want to do this. Well, too late. <laughs> You're in it. Uh, but it it was a feeling, man, that you would not believe that you could see it's in that locker room, which is so thick. Um, and I remember my turn going in, too. I was going through. Patrick Smith was standing with all of his boys, and they all had red shirts on. And, and I had my dad in my corner. My dad's a mellow guy, right? And then uh, the Japanese guys. So those guys were, were also very mellow. I'm always the hype one, right? So as we're walking by there, I'm getting ready because they're not letting us through. Like, he's trying to intimidate me. He's got 15 of his boys standing there trying to intimidate me as we're going to the ring and i remember i started to just rush him and just you get in his face and all of a sudden my dad steps in front of me <laughs> and he just lights gets in bed so he lights he's gonna find it right and he sits in bed and i was like never heard my dad do this to get that bad and, and i was like okay <laughs> let's go so off to the ring we go and at that time i was here i was my adrenaline was through the roof 
and uh, I'm waiting. And, you know, Patrick's favorite line was before we started the fight in the cage. We're standing there bouncing around, getting ready to go. He's dogging me. I'm dogging him. And he's, his, his thing comes up on the monitor, and he says, I feel no pain. <laughs> and in my mind going, you're going to feel it real quick. <laughs> so they ring. we start. The guy goes, go. I shoot it, and I go to take him down. That's when I realized I messed up. Like, I tried to take him down like a regular shoot. My feet were slipping. I mean, they were all over the place. So finally, I ended up getting to the ground. And then I dropped back, put a heel hook on him. I crank that suck over. I hear his ankle pop. I hear him scream. I jump up. If you watch this fight, you'll see I'm trying to get to him. The referee's holding me. And I'm saying to him, you felt that, didn't you? You felt that, didn't you? And so, because my adrenaline was jacked, right? I mean, I, it didn't go long enough. And uh, he's rolling on the ground all in pain. And I was like, the last thing I heard him say before the fight started was, I feel no pain. And it was like, yes, you do. <laughs> We're all human. I go back to the locker room. And you want to talk about, man, this was unbelievable feeling, man. The adrenaline was unbelievable. And I was just on cloud nine, and I get back to the locker room, and now I got to regroup because I'm going to fight hoist next, man. And I'm like, ugh. We get back there. I get in there. We got to start making plans for how do we deal with the slipperiness and, you know, moving around. And as soon as we start to get in there and go to start, but we're like, hey, you're up. You're in the hole. You're on deck. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, we just got done. And literally, we had to go from the locker room and sit in the hole and wait for us to be called to go into the ring next. We didn't get a chance to talk about anything or go over anything it was like from there to now we had to wait for us to be able to call and walk in we had to be in the hole ready to go so we go in for the second one and i like I said i don't even i don't even have an i'm just going to do what i did before shoot in take him down and and, and just maul him and so i go in there i take him down i bring him down i get on top i put perfect position sit back for a leg lock just like i did with pat and all of a sudden as i'm sitting back i've got something like oh it's like it's on me i'm like trying to pull it off as i'm sitting down and as i sit down i pull him up on top of me and i'm like okay it's ain't gonna work so then i try to roll right and as i roll he wraps the gear around my neck like a rope right so i'm thinking okay no problem i'll pull it off because in most cases someone goes to choke me i'll grab it and i'll pull it off chuck the chin pull it off well unfortunately i went to tuck the chin and pull it off the rope was already under my neck and i'm like and I'm trying to feel for arms, like there's no arm to pull off. And I'm like, oops, <laughs> oops, maybe I didn't uh, study this well enough because I'm in trouble. <laughs> I can't breathe. And I remember, and I tapped and it's like this. I don't, it's not like I, I, t I wanted to tap. It was not like I thought about tapping. It was like this reaction because I couldn't breathe. And I went, ah, and it was like, did I just tap? I just tapped. And here's the worst part. When you have to do that, right? And you don't want to do it, but you know you you got you got beat. This guy got you. You you got got. It's it, it's it, that's tough enough as it is, right? But here's the worst part. When the referee doesn't see it. Then you got hoist standing over here going, "You tapped. You tapped." And you're looking up going, and you want to say, no, I didn't. We're going to keep fighting. But you know you did. And so then you've got to tell the referee, I tapped. In front of thousands of people. 
That was a second humiliation. Oh, I hated that. I did not want to say that. But it was. It was real. I tapped. And I remember thinking to myself, I was so mad at myself because I walked into this thing. And because of all the success that I had before that, that I didn't take it serious enough to study Hoist Gracie or study the gi and how it worked. I just went in there thinking that I would just do what I've been doing all along when I was fighting in Japan and just beat guys. But we weren't fighting in Japan. We were fighting in this thing, something that nobody understood. It was bare knuckle. It was real. It was another level of what I was used to fighting in Japan. And I remember from that moment on, I was like, I'm not going to forget this. I want that fight. I want that fight. This is not going to stop me. And so I remember um, after stewing over it, especially after the pre-fight um, thing where they had this party and they were crowning him the, the new sheriff and, and they were goating around and he deserved it. But it just ate me up and I was like, that is not going to happen again. It's not happening again. And I remember going to our Davis said, I want that fight again. And luckily for me, because of some of my interviews that happened after that fight, where, you know, they asked, hey, you think you're the second best here? And, and, and I, you know, maybe I was, but, but that wasn't the point. The point was I lost the second round. And I remember saying, no, I'm the two best guys are in the finals. I, you know, I'm third. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm third. Because that was, that was real. That, that's just the truth. And no matter what my credentials were, no, no matter how good I was, I was not in the finals, so there was no way that I was the second best. And so when they went in and fought and, and, and hoist got Gerard, I remember going to, to Ari and said, I want that fight. And luckily for me that I had enough fan uh, base there that they wanted to see that fight because we were really the only two grapplers there. And I remember that we had had this fight, and I remember a fought was UFC 3, and I fought Christoph Leninger, and I, he was a, 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 a well-versed uh, jiu-jitsu player in the Olympic Games. So he was good. And I remember I ended up tapping him out with punches. I remember taking him down. He was a great grappler, and I'm tapping him out. And then there was uh, Felix Mitchell, who was, here's a crazy thing, an alternate. Now, back in them days, you were better off being an alternate where you sat on the side and waited for everybody else to fight, wait for somebody to get hurt, and then walk into the finals. It was crazy, right? I mean, it was the Wild Wild West. Nobody knew what how they were doing this. They just needed to make sure they had alternates in case someone got hurt. And someone always got hurt. But being an alternate seemed to be an advantage because you didn't have to fight three fights. You had to fight one fight and maybe no fights to get to the finals. So here I get a, an alternate. He doesn't have to fight. He didn't fight. So I'm getting a fresh guy after I go against Crystal Leninger, who is no joke. And I end up beating him. But now I'm going against a fresh fighter. And he's probably 230 pounds, 6'2", strong dude. And a karate guy, right? So I'm going, I, I take him down. I have a little struggles with him. He's pulling my trunks. He's doing all this stuff. And there's no rules, right? I mean, you just got to go with it. So I end up trying to get him to the ground. And I end up rear neck choking him, choking him out and getting the win. And I was like, okay, Ken Shamrock and Hoist Gracie, number two. And I'm ready. I've been waiting for this. And I'm in the locker room, you know, and I had a few banged up things. I was banged up myself, but I was in the finals. And, you know, when you're doing those terms, most guys will tell you, you get to the finals, you're not going to be going in there fresh. You're going to have something wrong. 
but you're a champion. You're a fighter at heart. You're going to go in there and get it done. And so I was waiting. I had already qualified. So Hoist goes in and has this tough fight, exhausts him, right? And then he comes, and here's the part that bothered me. He comes out for the second round, knowing he's not going to fight, right? I mean, he's not fighting. He's not going in going, oh, maybe I'll go a little bit, and then, you know, you know, we'll say, hey, I'm not going to fight. No, he walks into this thing, steps into the cage, and then throws in the towel. Do you know why that's bad? Because it took away from an alternate being able to step in that position and be able to compete. What he did was he took an alternate and put him in the finals. Instead of making that alternate have to fight me and then make it into the finals. Instead, he made that alternate walk right into the finals because he threw in the towel. Now that pissed me off. And I would not have fought that guy anyways because if Hoist wasn't in there, if he would have bowed out in the second round, I, would have, I wouldn't have fought. I, I would have done the same thing because I wasn't there for anything other than Hoist. But for him to go in and throw in that towel just so that guy would walk into the finals fresh against me wouldn't have made a, any bit of difference because there's no way that guy would have ever held a candle to me. Ever. And I knew that. But that wasn't the point. The point was I was there for Hoist Gracie. I wasn't there for anything else but him. And when I found out that he wasn't going to fight, I made sure that everyone knew I wasn't fighting because Hoist Gracie wasn't fighting. I want Hoist Gracie. Because, I mean, you got to think about it, man. He was the one that beat me. He was the one that had got me. And I want to get him. And the only way I'm going to do that is, is if I can get him to stand in the ring and fight me. Any other way, they're going to find ways not to get me to fight, right? Not to be able to fight me. Because they knew that I had something. I was the only one that could go with him on the ground. Everybody else was strikers and stand-ups and judos, and, but they weren't as, as skilled as me and Hoistworth. And I remember I didn't have as much experience as well. I had two and a half years, and he had 20. But nevertheless, I was already there. I was still learning. So we go. I say this. I ain't in it. I wait. UFC 5. I wait. I don't even fight. I tell him I want Hoist. I ain't fighting anybody with Hoist. UFC 5, they finally do it. Super fight. Hoist Gracie and Kid Shamrock does not have to fight to the tournament to fight each other. Because we tried that, right? And Hoist, he backed out. He just didn't make it. Every other fight that he did, and trust me, he won four of them. But then the one that I'm in, and I make it into the finals, he can't make it. Okay, whatever, I'm not going there. So I get him. Super fight. UFC 5, anticipated build-up. I'm training for a three-hour fight. I'm going to wear him out. I'm going to beat him down, and I'm going to submit him. This is what I'm doing, and I'm not going to be in a hurry to do it. I'm going to bide my time because I do not have the experience he does. I do not have the experience to roll around with him and outmaneuver him. I know this. I have athletic ability, I have strength, but I do not have the skill sets he does. I knew that. So I had to develop something that I knew would give me the best chance to beat him, and that was making sure that I could wear him out, bring it into the later rounds, which we didn't have rounds, but later into the fight, and anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour, I felt it would take to wear him down enough for me to be able to do whatever I wanted to. 
if you watch the fight, you, you, you'll see exactly what I was saying was exactly true. He's wearing out. Caught him with a big punch at the end of the period. I mean, they were regulation. And I uh, was able to work him even some more and even pick it up even more. And then when the when we went to that overtime, if you'll see in that fight, I went across the ring to get him. He didn't come to me. I came all the way across the ring to get him because he didn't come to me. That doesn't happen, right? He, that's not his style. But I knew I had him. Unfortunately, they put a time limit in it. And it really threw a wrench into what I was trying to do. Unbelievable. But I was I was okay, though. I mean, you got to see where I was at. I was a guy with two and a half, three years of experience against somebody like him who won four, four, four tournaments. He was no joke, man. He was good. And I was trying to catch up to him. So I had to be careful on how I fought him. But I was getting better. And I was improving because I was at that young age. I was just starting to grow. So Hoist walks away from the fight game. He's not there anymore. He left. So we go to UFC 7. I believe it was UFC 7, I believe it was. No, I'm sorry, 6. UFC 6. After Hoist leaves, then Dan Severn, who was a beast, was running through his competition. I mean, destroying guys, suplexing them seven times and knocking them out. And so the second super fight where after Hoist left, I was the man on top. I was the top dog. Seven was destroying everybody and they wanted to see that fight. Who is now the best fighter in the UFC? Ken Shamrock or Dan Severn? And so we get to pit up once another. And I can't understand how people think he has the advantage because he's a wrestler. I'm thinking, what's he going to out-wrestle me? He ain't going to out-condition me. He ain't going to out-submit me. And he ain't going to out-strike me. He might out-wrestle me. But you can't win by out-wrestling somebody. So I'm thinking, man, I don't know what these people... I, I, I don't know. I feel confident. I'm going to destroy this guy. So we have our match, UFC 6. We go in there. And I got a st specific strategy for him. I always did in my matches. I always had things I was going to do, and I never broke from that. And I was thinking, he's going to shoot just like a wrestler. He's going to stick his head in there, and I'm going to grab it. I'm going to choke him. I'm going to guillotine choke him because he's going to shoot every time with his head down. He will. And he did. And the minute he did, I grabbed it. Ooh, and I was going to squeeze it off. And he slipped out. And I was like, oh, man, I had him. And, you know, you think like, okay, I had that one shot to catch him off guard to finish it. And I missed it. And I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be a lot longer fight now. Now I know it's going to be a long battle. Because he's going, he's in good shape too, and he's a great wrestler. He's going to try to stay out of trouble. We're going to battle, but I felt like I was still going to win because I'm going to pressure him with the submissions. He, he can't go with me like that. He can't, he can't outstrike me. He can't outsubmit me. So I'm thinking I've got to put more pressure on him. He does the same thing. He shoots him with his head down back to back. Second time I was like, oh, I'm missing. I didn't miss it the second time. <laughs> I, I sunk that thing in, and I remember squeezing so hard. His last move was to hit me in the, of course, I had a steel cup on. He hits me in the groin. Wham! And he, he hear him go, oh, when he hurts his hand. <laughs> I was like, yeah, take that. And then I just choked him. Uh, out he goes. I'm the best. I am the best. Tried to prove it with Hoist, went the distance. Couldn't really say that, even though I beat him. I'm standing on top of the world. I was a champion in Japan. I proved it. My, my, my big moment against 
what people thought was the best fighter at that time in Dan Severn, I beat him. So here I am, Terrence Dan on the top of the world, Japan and in the U.S. in the UFC. I'm the best. I'm the best in the world. I go in against Oleg Tokhtarov, and I end up dominating him. I mean, just beat the snuffings out of him. That was the third super fight. So I'm thinking, all those times in Japan where I had to fight and do all those things and finally being recognized with that belt around my waist, and then UFC, where it was pitted the best fighter against the best fighter with Dan Seven and myself because Hoist Gracie walked away and choking him out and becoming the best. That solidified me. And again, of course, there's a lot more history that goes on behind that. But, I mean, I think this is, this was one of those times where you look back on it in my career, especially in the early part of the UFC, where it was really bare knuckle, no rules, anything goes. This was awesome. There's just no feeling like this. And it was awesome. I hope you guys enjoyed this, man. I know I did. Uh, it was fun going back and reminiscing and uh, talking about the fights and some of the things that had happened. I know it was chaotic and it was definitely um, the wild, wild west at that time. You know, shows were being shut down, having to pick up other places. So it was definitely challenging at those times. And a lot of times we had to lift up and go to another state and then set up that day and then fight again. So it was a lot more than just fighting going on the run. We were doing a lot of fighting outside of that to fight to keep this alive so we have what we have today. So if you ever get a chance, man, make sure you go back and check out the history here because a lot of these things that happened during that really helped UFC become what it is today. Um, and a lot of these guys are responsible for putting their, their blood, sweat, and tears in that ring to keep what we have today. And uh, I appreciate everybody in those times. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of those guys that were in those times that deserve a lot of credit for coming out and fighting and, and uh, putting their bodies on the line and competing, even times where things were so chaotic and we didn't know what was what. So, um, yeah, it was a great time. So, but I, like I said, I hope you guys appreciate it. Um, I truly enjoyed it. I uh, just want to make sure that I take a moment to thank all of you for tuning in. Um, I recommend that you sign up for my newsletter at kinshamrock.com. Um, and if you, hey, listen, if you love combat sports, please go to our site at ValorBK.com and check it out. And uh, if you haven't already, hey, please um, like and subscribe and share this video. Um, thank you for tuning in. Uh, this is Ken Shamrock signing out. God bless. I just want to thank you for watching today's episode. If you didn't already, like, subscribe, and share this video. I encourage you to sign up for my newsletter at KenShamrock.com. And if you love combat sports, visit ValorBK.com. Thank you again, and until next time, this is Ken Shamrock signing out.